Cinema Sit-Down, Episode 220, A Review of Anna, June 25th, 2019, hosted by Richard Lusk and Tony Christ. The following podcast has been approved for all audiences by Flying Bull Productions. best part of any film is the sit-down afterwards. Richard Lofsk and Ryan Bull bring you Cinema Sit-Down. All right, welcome to Cinema Sit-Down. I'm your host, one of your two hosts today, Richard Lusk. Over there is uh, Tony Chris. How you doing, Tony C? Good. How you doing, Richard? What's going on? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Well, you've had a pretty bad week, but that's a story for another day. It's been a terror... It's been a terrible week. It's been a terrible week, and it uh, was capped by the movie that we watched this weekend, or I guess I just watched it yesterday. I think you saw it early, but uh, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it early Thursday. Uh, the the new midnight showing of seven p.m. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Uh, were you? Well, the movie's Anna, uh, yeah, Luke Besson's <laughs> new film. Yeah, I should mention that. <laughs> Although. Uh, um, I think it should be obvious if you're tuning in, that we're going to be talking about this movie. Uh, I think we'll do a spoilerific movie review. That way yeah. we can talk freely and don't have to worry about adding in, you know, a, a spoiler warning. But if you haven't seen the movie, Anna, before we get into the actual review and because it's going to be a spoilerific, uh, <laughs> review, should people go see it? I I, th- I think there's a definite audience for this. Um, when I was telling people or mentioning to people that I, I, you know, before planning to see this movie, reviewing it for the show, and you know, after I, after the fact, I said, "Hey, I saw this movie." Um, the director, who happens to be Luke uh, Besson, has a definite following. Um, he's a guy that you know doesn't I don't think gets talked a lot about because you know he's, I think he's French or at least you know a lot of his movies have French themes to them or European themes but when I was looking through it's like man who is this guy I've never you know I haven't seen any of his movies and then I look on you know Wikipedia and IMDb it's like oh I've seen probably about half of his movies I've seen like his American movies you know I haven't seen his foreign film uh, so mm-hmm. I think there's definitely an audience I, I I enjoyed parts of the movie and you know as we talk we'll talk more about his other movies I'm sure a little bit um in comparative, so uh, as far as the ones I've seen of his, I, I like this one uh, near the top. I, I can't say it's a tippy top for one very specific reason, but it's near the top. Well, he's known for uh, casting models, somewhat unknown models, in uh, in very objectified roles. They're, they're claiming uh, a lot of his um, sort of oeuvre or the way that he presents women is sort of controversial now whereas in the past it hadn't been but he he got caught up in that uh the hashtag me too movement because he was accused by several people of uh sexual indiscretions but he also had some people come to his defense also sorry well i was gonna say so like was he being accused of actual improprieties or just the way he uses women you know much like a like a Howard Stern has never been accused of like, any inappropriate behavior, just comments and stuff, if you know what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying. And that, that sort of is the tipping point, I think, in a lot of these Me Too uh, controversies. So uh, before, I think, um, he was accused of actual sexual misconduct, He his, uh, I guess, the point of view that they had about him and his movies wasn't as controversial as it's become. I think this movie was shelved for a little bit because of it. 
because of the controversy surrounding those accusations. So I think there were about nine women that accused him of sexual impropriety. Yeah. Interesting. And then yeah. all the stuff with objectification came up a li- little bit later. Well, yeah, because but... I mean, he definitely has a theme here through his career. If you look at some of his earlier movies of, uh, you know, going back to the one, probably one of the more well-known ones was uh, Leon the Professional with uh, Jean Renault and Natalie, uh, I think it's Natalie Portman in one of her, if not first role, one of her definitely early roles. And, you know, it's one of those ones where he's a serial killer type guy. Uh, well, not serial killer, but a professional hitman. But she's like a little girl who you know accompanies him. Uh, it is kind of interesting that he he's caught up in that because it's really kind of been a theme. It seems like through his career that, uh, and you can argue he is objectifying women, but he is at least using women in strong, you know, non stereotypical roles. Now they're still like the beautiful, you know, like what's the, what's the French term, a femme fatale, it's kind of that sort of motif, mm-hmm. where she, you know, the 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 women in here are super powerful. Uh, but they definitely use their sexuality uh, for their benefits. And if you're talking about Anna or Anna, um, that's definitely that's the whole point of the movie is that they're using she's using her sexuality for to get what she needs and wants. You know, whether right, it has uh, on the government or just for her own personal. Right. She wouldn't be in the position that she's in as a professional assassin if she hadn't been attractive to somebody uh, in that arena. So in the movie, uh, basically the plot of the movie is this model is turned by the KGB to be an international assassin. Um, the CIA, well, the, the, I'm sorry, the, the Lucy, the, the assassin, is uh, played by newcomer Anna, Sandra Anna. Luce. Anna. Anna, 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 the, Anna? Anna. Lucy's <laughs> the other one that this has been compared to because that, that's his other <laughs> movie. That's his most recent, I, I don't know, most recent, but one of his last big femme fatale movies was with Lucy with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, uh, did I was, misspeak? I called I, I it Lucy. I, I heard you say. I heard you. You say this is Anna, and the main character's name is Lucy, or, or something along those lines. Oh, well, it was played by uh, Sasha Luce. Maybe that's where um, it comes from. But either way, I kind of liked uh, that movie Lucy a little bit better than this one. But maybe because it had more established star, I wasn't really sure of this. If her acting performance, Sasha Luce as Anna, yeah, really paid off, but. And that's funny. I, so don't I didn't, know. What are I, your thoughts? I wasn't as big of a fan of Lucy. I like the action of Lucy, but the premise is is false about it. Where the idea of only using ten percent of your brain, you know, that has been proven uh, false. Uh, you know, years ago. I I, I teach uh, AP psychology sometimes, and that's always something we got to fight with the kids about trying to tap into this unused part of your brain. It's like your brain is used one hundred percent of the you know, one hundred percent of your brain is used. It's like you as a person may not choose to use your brain very often, but you know, anything you do, it's all firing through the network, but you know, through the synapses and stuff. But I mean, anyway, the movie itself, and I think you're right with Scarlett Johansson was a bigger deal. It, it seems kind of like that's what he did because he had Scarlett Johansson, but then Anna with a lesser known star is kind of like his pet project. Maybe his, uh, you know, his uh, lower budget where, okay, I want to do, not say budget, but I want to do something for myself, more art house. Right. Uh, uh, as opposed to like wide release, but who knows? Maybe he was. He did think he was going to have a box office hit with this. I mean, it... and, and maybe. And uh, you know, it's one of those things because you mentioned, you know, Scarlett Johansson, especially at that point with the Avengers, uh, was really uh, kind of at her peak in a lot of ways in terms of because she had done a lot of those rom com movies, but now she's doing those kind of the action movies. Uh, but this one's got uh, Helen Mirren in it, who you know has been famous for a while. 
and Luke Evans, who's kind of, you know, it's hard to say up and comer, but he's been in a few things lately. You know, he was in the the remake of Beauty and the Beast. He played the uh, Gaston, and he was good in that. And he's been in a few other things uh, lately. Uh, he's been in the Fast and Furious movies as well. I think he and Helen Mirren played mother, and or I guess he played son, and she played the mother uh, in those. Um, and he played, you know, in the newer one of the newer Dracula movies. He played Dracula. Or Vlad, so he's a you know it's kind of you know he's kind of in between. Oh, in the Hobbit, he's in the new Hobbit movie. That's Bard. Bard, Bard the Bowman. Yeah, uh, and he's definitely a highlight in those Hobbit movies. Outside of Bilbo and uh, Smog and Smeagol and well, stuff. Well, I thought he was good in this. Luke Evans. Uh, he may have been the most interesting character, other than other than Lucy. The other ones were just sort of to me. <laughs> Lucy. Uh, sorry, not Lucy. Anna. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Other than other than Anna, the the title character, I think Luke Evans did the best job as an actor. Uh, I liked his role the best. But yeah. my dad, who saw the movie with me, was really taken with Helen Mirren's performance as Olga. Yeah, and I'm so, wondering if that's a generation thing, or maybe I don't know. You know, like, roughly how old your dad is, but would he have grown up with the Boris and Natasha, or known of them, and you know, kind of that Cold War mentality, especially early? Because there's a there's a di- big difference when we talk about Cold War movies, which this takes place during, where you've got the early '50s Cold War, like um, Doctor Strange Love or Failsafe, and then you got the newer ones like Rocky IV, which there was a big chasm between what the Cold War was like for kids in the '50s growing up in the '60s. Versus kids in the eighties and the nineties. I think uh, I think he liked the character of Olga more than the sort of the history behind it. Like yeah. he's he's also the history of film doesn't mean much to him. Well, but I, he I does like seeing Helen Mirren. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he was in the Air Force in the sixties, so you know, through the sixties and seventies and into the eighties. But uh, I think he retired in eighty five. I see. Yeah, but he he'll read he'll read a book. Any book that on its cover has a sickle and hammer or a, a uh, you know a Nazi flag or something. I mean, he's really into spy literature and spy espionage right. movies. At some point, though, in this movie, I started thinking this is no longer a spy movie. It's it's more or less a serial killer movie. <laughs> yeah, I kind of get that that feeling too. It, it does definitely. There is a shift where and the movie does that pretty cool. Where uh, as you're watching it, you know it'll. It, especially, I remember it was like in the first twenty minutes, they jumped back and forth five to ten years really quickly. And listen, you know, they put big bold print like five years ago, ten years ago, you know, two years in the future, six weeks later. Um, right. So they, they they did that nice bold letter, so you couldn't miss it. But I could easily see somebody like if this was a movie you're watching on your couch with your computer in front of you, you're going to be like really confused with what happens. Um, well, and the pro some of the problem with that with that method is I don't think the character of Sasha or the the actor Sasha's looks changed that much over the 10 or 15 year period or Luke Evans his character his, the look of those characters didn't change any depending on the different time periods that they That's were That's true. Yeah, outside of her being a model with different, you know, wigs and stuff. Yeah, she right. it, Yeah, you could see it very much so and Cillian Murphy as well and it's one of those deals, you know, knowing just what you know about working for the government, especially working for the the KGB, which is kind of the government within the government, you've got to put on some road miles and age and stuff on you. Right, <laughs> right. There guys. was no clear distinction between the, the earlier versions of the characters. Right. Sorry, the other character, you mentioned Cillian Murphy. He plays the CIA handler yes. uh, who sort of 
works his way romantically into Sasha Luce's life. So she has four, or Anna's life, I should say. She has four major relationships in the movie. Uh, the one with Luke Evans, her KGB sort of cohort. And the guy the who one her with in. The, the guy that, yeah, he kind of brought her in. Um, the one with Olga, played by Helen Mirren, who's sort of like the mother figure, maybe like older sister or aunt or something like that. You know, there, there's sort of, there's a suggestion of that close relationship. Then there's the sil- yeah, like a mentor, exactly. Uh, the Cillian Murphy uh, character, the CIA guy, I can't remember his name in the movie. He was uh, Lenny um, is his name. I was looking, I'm just looking it up here. Right. Lenny Miller, you're right. Yeah. Um, and then the the he has she has sort of a girlfriend figure uh, played by newcomer Lara Abova. Yes, I think. Yeah. Of those four, my question then is to you: of those four, which is the most believable relationship? Um, I don't. I'm trying to think about that. I wonder because when she's with Lara, she's undercover. But again, you don't know that right away. You just know that she's kind of frustrated with because uh, living with the models. She comes home one day after a shoot or something and. Some mm-hmm. models are getting it on in her bed, so she's got to go to this other bed. And that's the one that right. uh, uh, Lyra Bova is uh, sleeping in, and that kind of starts from there. Um, I, I tend to think probably the Helen Mirren relationship might be the most honest, because, you know, through the movie, as it, you know, again, it progresses, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and then it, it backtracks to kind of fill in the gaps a little bit. You see a little bit of her and Helen Mirren, uh, a little more personal relationship. Uh, where again, it's not you know one of the things too with with with, uh, with Anna's character is that she's like almost immediately involved in a romantic relationship with Cillian Murphy and with Luke Evans uh, when they meet each other, uh, at least with how the movie goes. But you know, Olga, right. it's they don't have the, and then and with uh, with uh, Lyra Bova, she's you know romantically involved too. But with Helen Mirren's character Olga, uh, it is like a mentor mentee relationship and kind of like. So I think that's probably the most honest because that's Helen. I mean, uh, Anna can't use her body to get what she wants out of Helen Mirren. She's got to really connect with her on a, in a different way. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because you don't see you, you. There's obviously the suggestion of a sexual relationship more than the suggestion of the sexual relationship between uh, Anna and Maud. Right. But you never really see that on screen. Right. I don't and remember I'll... seeing them doing anything on screen together right it's almost always Maud like kind of trying to hug me uh Anna like from behind you know kiss her on the cheek or there's a part where they take the vacation and they're on the beach and she's like hey I'm going back to the room do you want to come and she's like no you know and Anna's like no I don't want to go uh you know before before she goes and and hooks up with Cillian Murphy so it's kind of or uh, not hooks up uh meets up with him uh, when yeah, I think they do hook up though. Well, they hook up like, I think, later, later that, that night. night but yeah, at the, the at the initial moment, it's, they're just talking. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, so it's interesting. So I mean, that that relationship with Maud is definitely from Maud's point of view. Uh, but from Anna, you really get the point feeling that she's just there because that's a model, and it's an e- it's a model's role, and it's an easy cover to kind of flirt with. Yeah, it's really uh, in a way, it's sort of sad because I mean, her, she was a total she was a total jerk. To Maude. to Maude throughout the movie, there was yeah. no reason for Maude to want to be with her. No, outside aside, of just aside, not because of her personality, anyway. Yeah, uh, and don't forget too with the about the relationships. Uh, very, right away in the movie, she's got that relationship with uh, her boyfriend before Luke Evan gets involved. 
when they robbed the bank and all that stuff. Oh and yeah, rob, yeah. robbed the ATM. Well, again, not that's not essential to the to the as far as the four main relationships. But that guy was hilarious because you know watching the thing, it's like. Okay, is she because knowing she's going to be an agent from the previews and just the way the movie goes? Okay, is she an assassin pretending to be with this guy, or is she with this guy and then gets out of it? You know, kind of what the deal is. And then Luke Evans, when he pr- approaches her, you know, he just shoots the guy. You go, he's out of the picture now. Like, <laughs> so it's like she doesn't right. take any revenge against him. You know, being you know physically abusive, psychologically abusive with it. And there's a little well, taste this- of her of her skills because. There's the one other girl in the car uh, who's yelling at her, and Anna just knocks her out with like one hit against the steering wheel, just like knocks her head off, you know, knocks her out, and then that's well, it. Well, so my question then is my question in the during the movie, and then I guess maybe you can answer this: is why did uh, Alex Ch- Chekhanov or Luke Evans' character pick her out? Yeah, pick, they, uh, they, Anna out. Like, they kinda, they, what, they, what was it about? Well, they touch on it a little bit with because uh, I, I don't know if both her parents, but at least her dad was involved with uh, the government and uh, uh, some, you know, I forget if it was Russian or German or something, but he's involved with the government somehow as a military guy. And but then both her parents were killed off, so she's an orphan, which helps out when you need somebody to be loyal to the state that they don't have family to be loyal to, and that you know, and Luke kills her her boyfriend, you know, quote unquote boyfriend. Uh, but then they also bring up chess quite a few times to the movie and actually plays a big part later in the movie too, uh, that she's really bright and good with chess. So, yeah, but there's no indication that she's an assassin, like level person, you know, right. she, she goes, you know, he tells her, we're going to put you through the training. It's like a year or two of training. And this is, what's great. Cause it's typical government, uh, BS like, oh yeah, well, we're going to train you to be an assassin for one year. You have like two or three years of field work and then you can quit if you want. And I even I'm watching. I was I saw it with my friend who actually is named Luke as well, and we both laughed. It's like you do not leave. You know, first of all, the government, let alone the KGB, <laughs> do not let you go after two years, and especially as much money. Right. You know, and that's the you know joke. Like I remember, people, I had friends of mine, or my and my my dad had a friend who joined the Navy uh, out of high school after seeing the the Jack Nicholson movie, the final detail or the last detail. <laughs> Thinking, okay. oh, this is what the this is what the navy's going to be like. Not realizing it now, thirty some odd years later, he's still like technically in the navy. Like he can't get out. Right. Like huh. I signed up for a two year. They were like, oh, they signed me up for a two year hitch. It's like so. Yeah, that's not the, the navy idea, doesn't work for two years. <laughs> so, but the idea then that Anna would be that dumb in the movie is sort of uh, negated by the fact that she's so manipulative and able to at the end get her freedom. Yeah. Like she is so brilliant and smart. She's the, she's the master level chess player at the age of nine or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and she does perform all of these triple crosses and double crosses. So she's a highly sophisticated, uh, she has highly, uh, highly sophisticated mental acuity. And yet she's dumb enough to believe that they're going to let her go in five years. Well, I, I mean, that's, that's sort of ridiculous. Yeah, no, no, it definitely was ridiculous. I wonder if that's based playing it off of her being um, this, the abused victim where she will just believe anything to get out of her current situation. But again, they don't they don't say that out right in there. So I'm wondering if that's just how kind of a way to justify it. And like I said, I, like, I, don't, I don't buy that as an excuse. I think, you know, you can't have her be a genius. And, and she's not like a Sheldon Cooper genius where she has no social skills. She's definitely got social skills and definitely it's very manipulative. Right. As a, so she's smart and manipulative. And so I wonder too, if she's highly intelligent, if she's more 
and what they call like emotionally intelligent, where she can read a situation really easily and just buy into it uh, and pick up what she needs. Because even with like yeah. when when uh, she's as a model with Maud at the party, when she meets the first victim that we know about, um, the uh, like the Russian you know uh, arms dealer, you mm-hmm. know she very quickly tells Maud, "Hey, I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? Or I'm, I'm hungry. Can you give me something to eat?" Very quickly realizing this is my guy, and I need something to get Maud out of here within like three seconds. Right, so she's able to very quick, but she was also a trained assassin at that time. I mean, That's we didn't true. know that watching That's the movie, true. but she had gone through her training. Right. I mean, that they, does, they, also doesn't explain why you know, she believes that you can get out of the cage. Because again, growing up in Russia, she's got to know what the KGB is like. I and mean, it's like here, thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know the CIA officially, but I know what they do, and I guess I've seen the movies about them. Right. Yeah. yeah. There, there's nothing. I mean. The, that that's the problem I have with the movie overall is the the movie wants you to believe that it exists in the real world, but then it throws all of these curveballs at you where I mean and, and not contrivances, they're just like weird things that we are supposed to accept that don't make any real sense at all. Like to me, there's no real reason other than the fact that she's really physically attractive, but there's no real reason for Lenny Miller the character played by Cillian Murphy and her to be together, you know, in this intense relationship where they're exchanging, you know, uh, love vows. It, it right. didn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense. And right. those, they're, I mean, and the only reason sure. that they're, the only reason that they're together is because they have to be together in order to have this, you know, this ending. It, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in the real in a real sense, you know, in a real world. Unlike the movie Red Sparrow, right. which I, I don't know if it's a better movie, but it does a better job of making you believe the world, I think. I, I think so. And uh, one of the things that this one does, and again, a positive or negative, is that, you know, it's set during the, you know, again, either late 80s, early 90s during the Cold War in Russia, but they don't. As far as I remember, they don't mention like who is the president. They don't mention who is the premier of Russia. They don't. They don't right. say that it's a Yeltsin or a Gorbachev or Reagan or whoever. So it kind of is is nice because you can you can argue it takes place in an alternate reality type of a thing versus you know if you had like a because even like the the KGB head of the KGB guy that she she plays chess with at the end he's not supposed to be like a Khrushchev or anybody like that or like a Putin even uh but that these like Khrushchev was dead but like Putin would have been around at this point that the mix plays now I don't know how Whoa. high up he would have been but he would have been around so but I, I kind of like that they don't mention that so you could put this movie at any kind of point in history even though I mean they mentioned the year but it doesn't have to be locked into anything well yeah but they mentioned the year and they and they try to have production value or they try to uh produce a a scenario that is set in that world true but then they'll throw in wi-fi or they'll throw in like you know they'll throw in like laptop computers and and you know i know that those things existed but they didn't exist they weren't as technologically advanced as the movie suggests that they are right and i think that's the idea at the time so the, the government did have this technology before letting it out to the public in the sense of like, you know, in America anyway, email technically has been around since the 80s, but it wasn't something that everybody had until after right. the Cold War ended. Uh, well, and, same, and, and same with like bag just, phones instead of cell phones. But yeah, you're right. They do kind of play with like the flash drives, even even that kind of threw me off. Like, huh, that's a very 90s or 2000s uh, plot right. device is to have a flash drive. Like now now you, you can steal information off of somebody's cell phone by putting it near 
your own cell phone or putting your own cell phone near it. Right. I don't think you can copy all of the, you know, the hidden secret files of the CIA oh, because right. yeah, uh, he happens case. to leave his briefcase on top of a, you know, a coffee table. That just that doesn't make. I mean, that, that that's my point. It, it, they're they're trying to they're trying to make you believe that this world is a real world, and they're trying to set it in the eighties, and then they're throwing in things like that. Like not only yeah. the technology, but also where he says something like, uh, "We had a we had a decent relationship with the KGB before this this new guy came it became you know in charge." <laughs> right. I'm like, really? Very, in '86? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just like, because this guy changed? <laughs> you know, with the spy planes and you know, the yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> right. Uh, right. The only reason the CIA really existed back then uh, was. Because, uh, well, they hated the FBI and uh, <laughs> and the uh, and Russia, right? So, so I well, yeah, like I said, pretty you know, fun movie. And in, in some ways, if you you got to turn your mind off to some things, and uh, you know, from and like the, like I said, like one of the reasons I like this more than like even a Lucy was because uh, I am a history teacher, and, and the Cold War is right up my alley. So I, I do like telling them those things, but yeah, you do have to kind of turn your brain off a little bit. For like, you know, mm-hmm. how do they have a flash drive? And yeah, you know, like you said, you know, she put, uh, Cillian Murphy puts his briefcase on a desk and it copies all of his information. And he's like, "Huh, that's very smart." It's kind of like, "Oh, should we use that?" <laughs> like, and you know, we should right. have that. In, you know, we should have that invention too. That was a good idea. So, of, of the like, uh, of the female assassin, uh, where does Anna rank? Like compared to Red Sparrow, I guess there's La Femme Nikita. Which was Luc Besson's French film? I think they made Point of No Return. Yeah, was a remake with Bridget Fonda. Right, I think uh, it wasn't La Femme Nikita. There was a show I think on USA. I don't know if Luc right. uh, was involved with that, but I'm sure it was based off of. Yeah, he, I think he gets writing credit on IMDb, and, and definitely like yeah, definitely like created by credit, like characters created by. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, as far as that goes, well, the other one too that which is. You know, she's been around again, like we talk about Scarlett Johansson uh, as a Lucy. She's also working on uh, rumors is uh, doing a Black Widow solo movie uh, right. where, where it's about her coming up to the ranks because obviously she's not uh, around anymore for the Avengers uh, Endgame. No, oh, wait. Here. Spoiler. Jeez Louise, man. You can't drop in the spoiler after you've already given the information. <laughs> There's no warning afterwards. So, wow. Well, you're- you're you're just like bull, man. You're you're trying to take over bull's role completely. Well, I don't know. Maybe they've got the, the new uh, they're they're kind of re-release Avengers Endgame with like 15 more minutes of deleted footage. So maybe they'll change the whole. Oh, complexity. they're gonna. It's kind they, of, are they gonna have alternate endings too? I don't know if they're doing the alternate endings, but suppose I think the reason is it's you know however I don't know the exact numbers, but it's a it's it's within fighting distance of. Uh, avatar for highest grossing film of all time and right. so they figure since everybody's already would have seen it once uh i happen to have seen it twice i saw it for for the show with bull and then my wife and i saw it a few weeks ago um but they you know so everybody's already seen it once or twice uh so i think they've added this new footage to get people to come back in one more time kind of hmm. like uh you know logan they released once in regular and the once in black and white and Deadpool, they mm. released a PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 right. uh, you know, for Christmas or whatever. So I'm thinking, uh, anyway, so beside the point, um, so they're doing a, a prequel one with her. And, you know, where, again, it's basically going to be kind of like a Lucy or like a Red Sparrow, but with uh, Black Widow. Um, so you're looking, so you're saying that the Black Widow with Scarlett Johansson is the number one 
top no. female <laughs> I, won't, I won't go as far as that goes. Out of if you're going to say Red Sparrow, Lucy, and um, well, there's Anna. Atomic Blonde. Oh, Atomic Blonde. Ooh, and that actually takes place during Cold War as well. Mm-hmm. I forgot about the Atomic Blonde with uh, Charlize Theron. Ooh, I was thinking I, of uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character, and I, I can't remember her name, but in um, Mission Impossible, oh, uh, yeah. was it Rogue, Rogue Nation? Rogue Nation, yeah. Um, and I guess she was in the last one, too. Yeah. Um, you know there are two more Mission Impossible movies? Are they planned out or, or have a, they haven't come yeah. out yet? Yeah, but out. they have release dates for the next yeah. uh, Mission Impossible 7 and 8. And wow. I think Rebecca Ferguson's attached to those too. So, well, along so, with Tom Cruise. Uh, full disclosure: I've I've seen the first and second Mission Impossible movies, but have not gone around to seeing the other ones just yet. Oh um, well, that's well, the, a shame. The, the first the first one I liked a lot because I, I like Brian De Palma. Uh, not that I liked him as a kid when I saw it, but I liked that version of it because it was more of a spy thing. And actually, kind of like this, where it fills in the gaps as the movie goes on. So it takes you a little bit, and you can try and figure it out, but then it fills in the blanks. Uh, but the second one, I think, was directed by John Woo. So it had like so much kicking and like the pigeons and stuff flying by, right? <laughs> like the doves. Right. So I was like, I'm done. Even in high school, I was thinking this is like completely different from because it, well, it, it became Mission Impossible and became just another James Bond movie versus uh, uh, versus like oh we're gonna do like spy thriller movies. But right. I mean, it's made more money than I ever had. So, so who am I to argue? But with? you, <laughs> right? You haven't <laughs> seen the Rebecca Ferguson as uh, I have not seen those yet. I've got them oh, to watch. Right. I've got them uh, to watch to um, you know to borrow from it, but I haven't watched them just yet. So you can't rank them. So of the ones that you do that you can rank, <laughs> I would who's say number one. I would say uh, I still go with this one because it's more fresh in my mind. But Atomic Blonde is going to be right with that. I'd have to see parts of Atomic Blonde again. I did like parts right. of the premise of Atomic Blonde. Uh, Lucy again, you know, was very much like again the ten percent of the brain thing bugged me, uh, and the fact that it was basically Limitless, but with Scarlett Johansson. And I, right. I like Limitless, but, but only because I saw more, that's, only cause I, I, I was going to say uh, it's more science fictiony. Yeah, and I like and I mean I like Bradley Cooper a lot. I think I've said that before on this show. And Robert De Niro always adds an extra. Which mm-hmm. uh, for Luke uh, Besson here. Uh, the other movie I do like of his is called The Family with Robert De Niro, uh, <laughs> okay. where uh, which is it's a mobster movie. Again, a very bad movie, but it's him and Michelle Pfeiffer, so it's only could be you know even when like De Niro has kind of phoned it in the last couple of ones, it's still kind of good in some ways. All right, so you're saying Gosiana is actually one of the top rated uh, female assassin movies for you? I'm saying uh, you could probably take a pass on it, pass yeah. by Anna. And maybe rent Atomic Blonde or Red Sparrow on uh, <laughs> yeah. on video on demand. But what everyone's really care- cares about is the uh, box office challenge. The, uh, do you have the numbers? I have the numbers. I, I don't have the numbers. I'm not a numbers right. guy in general. Uh, Bull actually right. did send. I guess uh, yeah, Ryan or Bull, whatever his name is, uh, did send them to us. And right. As predicted on the last show, I am solidly second place. My comfort zone. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Because uh, I'm in first place right now. Yeah. And uh, with I just won Men in Black and Anna. Only f- 3.5 million for Anna this this week. And I had you know the low ball on that. But next next week's uh, is Spider Man, and I yeah. think Bull sort of finagled a four day opening for that. Yeah, I couldn't remember what we did because we because we, we had the couple of the ones where I, I you know with um I think it was Aladdin. I kind of 
picked and I went back and forth on how many days it was. And so I can't remember what, yeah, if bowl, cause it was one of the things when, when the, we first started talking about it, Spider-Man was going to be open like on the third or the fourth and it goes to the end of the week, but now right. it's coming out on the second, technically, you know, July 1st mm-hmm. at like seven o'clock and 10 o'clock. So I don't know if he's got a whole weeks of movies. So the, the idea that he's got 126 million, like it's going to make that in, if you give it five days, yeah, almost any movie could do that in the, well, in the summer. We're only good. We're only going to give him the first, four days so okay. hopefully so. it will be a little bit less than that but you're guaranteed points with yeah, that because i'm right underneath him i uh priced his right i where i did one point underneath his point i'm i'm feeling pretty good though right now i think if uh it, it, after the lion king and once upon a time in hollywood i don't think those last two are going to matter that much because i'm yeah. i think i think i might get lion king with 200 million and once upon a time is guaranteed the high ball i think it's going to get uh it's going to yeah. get at least 50 million so I'm looking pretty good on the box office challenge. We still haven't figured out what's going to happen when I win, other than um, bragging rights. That's true. Yeah, and I had mentioned it too because the local movie theater here is doing something funny for uh, for teachers. On every Wednesday is a free movie day for if you want to show your teacher badge. And my wife and I are both teachers, so we that's might sweet. try to see. Yes, yeah, so we might try to go see Spider Man when it comes out with our badge, but it may not. <laughs> so I don't know if that if they count that as part of the box office. We're seeing it for free. Oh, hopefully not. Yeah, do that. Get so, all your teacher buddies to do that. This is funny. I, I I don't have the exact phrase in front of me, but it said, you know, we honor our teachers over the summer. Here's a free, you know, every all every Wednesday during the summer with your badge, you can come see it. Except for because uh, this is a, the draft house, Alamo Draft House, so it does movie parties. It doesn't work for movie parties on Wednesday. It doesn't work before after five o'clock. It doesn't work, and it says Disney movie specific. It's like 3D, uh, IMAX does not work, or Disney. Huh. And so my yeah, thing well, was, well, you Spider-Man, might not Spider-Man, get it then. I said Spider-Man is technically a Disney movie because it's underneath the Disney umbrella now, but it's not Disney like uh, Aladdin's Disney. Is this Marvel Sony though? Is it? Well, Sony? So I don't know because you know Sony does own it, but but um, Sony did own it, but now the Spider-Man he is in the Marvel universe. Uh, yeah, but I, I I'm thinking this might be a Sony film. Uh, could be. I know it's part of the phases of it's the last of the uh, of the phases for uh, the Marvel ones here. So oh, I don't know. It, um, you, maybe the Disney thing won't won't uh, deny you the chance to see it free. Right, I hope you get to Disney. see it free. They say Disney, but they mean like Disney cartoon or like The Lion King or something. Right. But it's very much like the well, old cell phone plans where you can't use it after five o'clock and you can't do this or that. I, I certainly do hope that you get to see this for free. <laughs> and I can't see whether or not it's Sony and I'm not going to waste any more time looking at it to right. find out. So uh, what we will do is guarantee that there will be a show in the future, but I don't know if I'm going to commit to seeing Spider-Man. So maybe that will be you and Mr. Bull alone, like it was me and you alone. That's a good point. Yeah. For this one. I'm like Mo of the Three Stooges, where I'm always there. (laughs) They can change everybody else, but I'm always there. There you go. Or Mary Wilson from The Supremes, after Diana Ross left. Any variation always had Mary Wilson in it. Excellent. Excellent pull. All right, then, uh, Mary. <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> Mary and Mo. I'm going to say, uh, Pox at Bonum, everybody. Memento Mori.
what did you think of today's show? Did the guys get it right? Or are you wondering what movie they watched? Send in your review by tweeting at CSD Podcast, emailing cinemasitdown at gmail.com, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash cinemasitdown. Cinema Sit Down is a Flying Bull production.